to Cry Malt. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And as ever, I'm joined by, live from Melbourne, my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Meacham. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. We should point out, not live. Look, if you're listening to this, then you've hacked into our computers. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, no, it's... Um, it... Well, I'm speaking to you live. That's true. Which would be about the only way that I could speak to you, I guess, unless we... Did, did yeah. yeah, telepathically communicated or something like that. Well, I'm speaking to you live. Yeah. Everyone else is listening on delayed telecast. That's it. Um, maybe we should, yeah, maybe we should look at doing a live. Well, we, we've talked about this in the past. I mean, I, I'm, I can't actually believe that anyone is going to sit at home, you know, and waiting take themselves. No. Nah. Yeah, take themselves off Netflix and just waiting for bruised news. So this way they can listen to it whenever it suits them, when they're running, when they're driving, when they're in the car, you know, when they're uh, sort of, Jogging. That's it. Hi there, Pia. Hopefully, if you're jogging this week, drop us a line. <laughs> Sorry. Listeners, you need to go back about 10 episodes to understand what that little... Uh, yeah, shout out to Beer Plus Girl from WA, Pia Poynton. Or Girl Plus Beer. Girl Plus Beer, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pia Poynton, WA, um, regular contributor to Crafty Pint and, and, and her own blog. Um, yeah. I, I think she's, taking, uh, I think she's the, the WA correspondent. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. So and and has written for Bruce News in the past as well. She has. Um, now, mate, what's been this going on for you this week? Uh, not a lot this week. I tried two very different beers um, that I um, I happened across that uh, come out re- fairly recently, and as usual, it's it's uh, very interesting to catch up with the uh, social media um, chatter about about various beers. One one was put out by one of the larger uh, companies and is is a uh, what seems to be in some circles a uh, inverted commas dreaded summer style ale. Uh, Mate, we're not the ABC. You can uh, <laughs> you, you can name names. <laughs> well, this is the uh, I tried the uh, last night for the first time the the James Squire Swindler Summer Ale. And your thoughts? I thought it was a very well crafted beer. Uh, it was faultless. It was um, it, it did what it said on the label. I wasn't sort of expecting a lot. Um, it's got a very interesting um, if subdued hop character um but quite quite different um kind of hop character more kind of peachy watermelony kind of notes which and look i thought it was a really nice you know it's a 4.2 australian style you know uh, slash summer ale kind of thing and at the other end of the spectrum was the four pines the new keller door release which is their imperial ipa which was pretty big I've got it in my fridge. I still, it's been bloody hot in Brisbane, and it's not. A, you know, it's, it's a, they come in the five hundred. It's a five hundred. Uh, so it's, it's it's kind of you kind of go. Oh, I really should wait until you know Doctor Lager pops around, or you know, a, a, I've got an opportunity to share it with somebody. Um, because it, and it it's a a big beer, but again, beautifully crafted. But just yeah, it's just interesting that those are the two beers that are sort of that that are new. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting too, as I say, as I alluded to, that there's there's a lot of um, you know, well look, uh, yeah, I guess in the words of um, one of the twenty first century's um, greatest philosophers, um, you know, player's going to play, 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 and the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. Um, I'm just going to shake it off because I think it, That's the, the, the social media chatter is sort of it's it's um, effusive and foaming and um, flowing for one, and it's and it's all you know, stick the boots in. For the other, which is, well, uh, I think it's just interesting. Speaking of which, you know, uh, and you, you mentioned the Swindler was four point two. Um, I yesterday think so. we, 
had the story come out that Lion um, is following that you know continuum of uh, dropping um, the alcohol in a couple of their beers. So Forex Bitter um, is being dropped from 46 to 4.4%. Uh, two is extra dry is uh, dropping. Let's see, two is extra dry is dropping from four point six to four point four. Yep. Um, and James Bogue light is dropping from two point seven to two point five. Um, and the interesting thing is, uh, well, I mean, Forex bitter has dropped from four point nine where it was uh, five or six years ago. They dropped it to four point eight to four point six to four point four. Um, so it really, you know. The, the definition of full strength beer is really coming, you know, coming down these days. Yeah, and obviously there's um, economic concerns in there in, in terms of the, the money that you save in, in excise. I think what will be interesting um, from a, an observer's point of view is whether those beers will receive the same, um, you know, venomous backlash that VB received from, from its rusted on loyal followers. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the obvious example um, for for listeners that maybe uh, sort of aren't aware. VB dropped its alcohol back in two thousand and nine, I think, um, uh, for the first time. Yep. They dropped it from four point four point nine to four point nine to four point eight, uh, and then four point eight to four point six, same yeah. as Tui's. Um, and then three years later, um, came back with the uh, yeah, Ari Mervis, uh, you know, we're sorry, you know, the, the we heard backflip, you, we're you know, listening. We, we heard you, and we're we, listening. We fixed it. All of that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's very easy to say um, that they'll, you know, gee, they should have learnt from VB, but Tui's new um, dropped from, four, did the same thing, 4.9 to 4.8, then 4.6, and it didn't seem to have the same backlash. Um, well, I actually don't know that... VB dropping was the problem. You know, um, if you go back 10 years, VB was one in four beers sold in Australia was a VB. So 25% of the Australian market. Um, and it had already started dropping um, when they brought the alcohol back. And, you know, they, um, it, it was when Ari Mervis came in, SAB Miller came in, that was what they did to try and halt the slide. To be honest, I haven't seen that they haven't been putting out the figures for some time. Um, in fact, since they did this, but Forex Gold and VB are still neck and neck for Australia's biggest beer. I think one is the biggest in volume terms, and the other in which value. Is Forex Gold and the other is value because VB is a more expensive beer. Um, but that's how close they are. But they're still declining. So I think you know a couple of years ago they were fourteen percent. Now they're twelve percent because the beer market is declining. So even though they change the alcohol back, they don't seem to have arrested the slide because mm. the mainstream beer market is declining. So I think there was a little bit of um, a furphy that it was the alcohol. Sure, there was a bit of backlash and people are saying that it doesn't change, taste the same. Well, ja Jamie, say, Jamie Cook pointed out very um, interestingly that they broke the rule of three, that you, you, can change what, you can change the label, you can change your advertising, you can change the recipe or the, in this case, the alcohol content, or you can change something else, but don't change all three. And so they they dropped the the words Victoria Bitter and just went for VB. They dropped the alcohol and they um, sort of had that shift in in advertising with the um, the regulars. I think it was. I think we talked about yep. this. Yeah. Yep. And so for for many people, it made it a little bit more obvious that VB was moving away from them. Whereas if you if yep. you just dropped the alcohol, they, they probably would have copped that. 
Yeah, yeah. And oh, look, I'd actually forgotten Jamie said that. He said that on... Um, Exclusive Radio on Radio Bruce News. News. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and, and that's a very good point. So I, I think a lot was made about the alcohol, but that doesn't seem to have affected a you know, wide range of other beers um, that have happened. And you, you do have to feel a little bit sorry for CUB sometimes because remember when they changed the Cascade bottle? They went from 375, you know, the old hand grenade yeah. Cascade bottle to 330. Same big backlash and they had to sort of go back and put it, it in. It went to three, um, 345, I think. It was, something, was it 345? Yeah, it was, yeah. Okay. But they did, they, yeah, they, they dropped it. Which again was one of those things that I think... Uh, they tinkered with a whole lot more than just the bottle. Um, they tried to make Cascade Craft. They tried to make Cascade, you know, all of the the, the brands premium. They you know and, and bring up the heritage, yeah. which again moved moved it away from the core. You know, they, they lost sight of what their core audience they was. They took the Tasmanian Tiger off it too. They yeah. had it had him on the embossed in the bottle, but it was gone from the label. So again, you yep. tinker around the edges Whereas, too much. Everyone knows when Tim Tams goes from 10 biscuits to 9 biscuits for the same price. Um, but when you go change the recipe and you change the number and you change the packaging, then you, know, you might start people saying, well, these aren't Tim Tams anymore, which is what Jamie was saying. And uh, yeah, so look, it'll be interesting to see. For, for me, the most interesting thing is that whilst a lot of angst and anger goes into things such as the lockout laws that we've seen in New South Wales and Queensland, um, talking about alcohol and neo-prohibitionism, um, the way that the excise laws operate does seem to be having a very real impact on the way that we drink beer and particularly the way that brewers brew beer because full-strength beer has moved from, you know, when you and I were, were young blokes uh, drinking prof, full-strength beer was 4.95, maybe 5.1%. Yep. These days... Um, just about any new beer on the market comes in at that under 4.5%. And we're even seeing, you know, the most traditional of traditional beers, such as Forex, you know, coming back to 4. Point, you know, that, so that's, you know, a whole half a percent. You know, we, we, we talked about uh, whether Australia will go down the way of, you know, America and everything will be IPAs. And I don't think it will for a whole range of, you know, societal, um, you know, climate, but also tax reasons, um, because there is such pressure on financial pressure on brewers to, you know, bring their beers in at a certain price point. And you can only do that um, with, with the amount of excise that's levied on beer. You can only do that if you bring the alcohol down. And so we are seeing just all beers skew down where what was once full strength is, you know, now edging down on, you know, bordering on mid-strength. Yeah. And the other thing too is that it's creating one of those, you know, pleasant accidents where, um outside forces are, are almost creating new beer styles. In the past, if you had a light or a mid-strength or a, uh, you know, easy drinking style lager, it automatically equated to zero flavour. Now brewers are trying to, you know, push the, the limits of, of, of the alcohol down, but with dry hopping, with dosage, with new varieties, um, with crystal malts and whatever else it might be, trying to... Um, achieve more of that of that flavour. So I think uh, I think beer is the winner, and, and that's where hop character comes in. So you know, with yeah, as, as you said, you know, like a like a beer like Rogers, um, for example. Once a time, mid strengths weren't expected to have a great deal of flavour, um, but a beer like Rogers, which has that lovely malt character, and then you've got the uh, you know fruit punch hops coming over the top. Yeah, um, you can have mid strength in a three point three point six or three point five percent beer. 
You know, like I, I'm thinking back to the you know, mid to late 80s when I first uh, w was drinking beer and, you know, my dad's generation all drank uh, full-strength lager. Um, the drink-driving laws changed and that was when we started seeing brewers bringing out, you know, firstly there was lights to mids trying to get, you know, give people beers that they could drink and still drive. Um, and from memory it was lights first and then mid-strengths evolved a little bit later. Um, but when everybody was drinking a fairly, inverted commas, full-flavoured, full-strength beer um, like Forex in Queensland or, you know, Melbourne Bitter in, in Victoria, and suddenly you went to a light beer um, and they, they brought out a, you know, Forex light, um, the difference in beer flavour was between what you can get into a beer that's around about 2 2.5% alcohol and a beer that's at 5% was fairly dramatic and you either had you know, very bitter beers or to, to reduce the alcohol you had a lot of cooked flavours and yeah. they just couldn't quite get the beers right. The other thing that's happened, you know, we've seen Lion uh, bring out the Han Ultra, which is 0.8 or 0.9% um, and people are saying it's got no flavour. Um, but you're targeting a beer like that at palates have become very conditioned to beers like Corona, Summer Bright Lager, Great Northern, which are you know, 4.4, 4.5% beers, but a very light flavoured. So it's much easier to create a low alcohol beer and still have people meet people's expectations of flavour because the mainstream beer market has skewed away from, you know, to, to those, you know, Forex Gold, uh, Forex Summer Bright Lager, Great Northern, Corona style beers that are very low flavour anyway. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, anyway, yeah, so, so well, we've knocked off a couple of stories there. We, uh, so Lion cut the alcohol um, of beer. Um, another story that I, I, it wasn't one of ours, but I shared on Facebook over the weekend. Did you see the um, John Lethlian uh, review for Hill of Grace restaurant uh, at the Adelaide Oval? Yeah, uh, gave, gave him donuts. <laughs> Zero stars out of five. And, and um, again, yeah. it seems to be the story is not so much that, it's the, it's the reaction to it, you know. Um, you know, how dare somebody give it? Surely, you know, uh, he could have given them a one. Well, no, he's, he's paid to to write an opinion. And if you're reading it, you should be expecting an opinion. And there's your opinion. Although the interesting thing was that, that was to be contrasted, and I don't want to get into the whole thing of restaurant reviewing, but there were those Perth celebrity, or no, celebrity, those those Perth TV Contestants home who, cooks. Yeah, yeah, she came who, the, the deli. Yeah, um, and the reaction seems to have been, you know, who are they? Whereas John seems to, it hasn't been about, you know, what are his qualifications for giving that. Um, but, you know, God, we've all been to restaurants that, you know, have that very corporate feel. Um, and whilst they talk about using fresh local ingredients and all of the, these things, you just know that you're in a highly corporatized environment. The thing about that review um, that stood out and that I pointed out when I shared it on Facebook was the... It was the first time in a mainstream review I've seen the reviewer take a venue to task for just selling off the beer list. Um, and he, you know, he, he made the uh, point, um, I'll just uh, read it, contracts get in the way of hospitality, conflicting with the local hero ethos. So there's Coca-Cola Amatil Water and beer from a Japanese multinational, what about Adelaide's uh, iconic brewer? Um, very good point. You know, we've all been to restaurants did he, where... Did you mean Pirate Life, do you think, or... Oh, well, no. Coopers, <laughs> perhaps. Look, I, I, again, you, know, you could still go into the whole thing. Sure, you could celebrate Brew Boys or you could celebrate Pirate Life or, you know, any, you know um, 
you know, Lobethal or any of the great small brewers. But I, I guess it was easy to um, just sort of say, you know, you're talking about celebrating local. The majority of readers of a Australian restaurant review aren't going to know Pirate Life. So putting them in is just that extra layer of abstraction, if you know what I mean. By, by talking about Cooper's, he makes the point quite fairly. Um, and we've all been to, to the restaurant where they celebrate, you know, you, you see the chef going on about, you know, his sourdough culture and how wonderful it is or um, talking about, you know, all of our um, wines come from small biodynamic producers and celebrating it. And yet when you look at the tap list, if they have a tap list, it'll be Heineken, it'll be 4X Gold, it'll be Han Super Dry and Squires 150 Lashes. And you know straight away that for all of their talk about supporting independent growers or you know whatever the buzzword elsewhere in the hospitality industry is when it comes to their beer list they've just gone down the path of least resistance taken the money and just uh you know not even curating their beer list they're just putting on what their yeah. big brewer rep wants to do and, so and, and in many cases matt it's because it's easy so they'll use that argument well you know it's easier just to uh, make one order one invoice one delivery for all of our beer and yet they'll get their vegetables delivered by seven different um, suppliers and and yep. uh, deliverers, and they'll go seasonal and they'll yeah, go yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, look, you know, I, on one hand, there you, you can make a defence if you're a venue. On the other hand, you can make a defence if you're a beer lover wanting wanting choice. The thing, and, and again, I mean, even, even I sort of uh, dissembled when I sort of talked about, you know, yes, he could have gone pirate life or he could have gone Lobethal, but he went with the easiest one, easiest point to make. So even there you know, you can sort of see that he's gone with, with something that's quite easy. The great thing for me is that we have reached the stage where restaurant reviewers are starting to say beer isn't a separate aspect of the menu where you can make apologies for it. You need to put the same thought and care into your beer list as you're doing with your wine list and as your, you know... Uh, your single origin coffee at, at the end of the meal and all that. Exactly, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, there was a little bit of excitement. Um, what else have we got? Uh, well, look, uh, big important news for us, Prof, is uh, we have finally locked in uh, all of the details for Have a Beer with uh, Professor Charlie Bamforth. So, Sydney listeners, please come out and join us. If you love the show, if you're a regular listener, come out and see the magic taking place and be a little bit of a part of the magic. Um, I think that's how you described it as on Facebook, Prof. I, I did something like that. So watch how, yeah, see how the magic happens. Um, but also, I guess our listeners, if they can't make it there but have a uh, a question that they'd love to ask Charlie, I'm sure we could, if you could email that to us or throw it on our Facebook page or something like that, and we'll see if we can uh, slot that in. Maybe as a, you know, a question to a Dorothy Dixon to, to, to warm Charlie up before we uh, open the mic to the audience. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so jump uh, in the show notes, we'll have a link. Otherwise, just online, you'll see a big, uh, you know, rather lovely photo of uh, Charlie um, and a link to tickets. So yeah. we, we are limiting uh, it to a fairly... Uh, yeah, only, a, only uh, a couple of tickets left. And then when those are sold, we'll only uh, have another couple. And then when those <laughs> ones are sold, there'll only be a couple left. So get in quick. Well, there, there, there are going to be some uh, honoured guests. Uh, Chuck Hahn's coming along. Um there are a few other people that have expressed an interest. So, there, so we are giving some tickets away to some other, uh, you know. Luminaries. Uh, luminaries. So actually, that's a much better word than celebrity prof. Thank you. Um, 
uh, to some luminaries. So yes, yeah, so jump on uh, and then please uh, join us. And our good friends at Four Pines are putting on the beer, so there'll be uh, you know a, a few nice beers uh, for you to drink. Um, they're all part of your fifteen dollar uh, ticket. Yeah, value. yeah. We should point out for those who are you know not deemed luminaries, um, it's still only fifteen bucks. So and it's really just to sort of to cover the costs of setting everything up and, and all that sort of stuff. So come along, and it's a it'll be a fun uh, fun night. And you'll certainly get fifteen dollars worth of beer. Um, now, Prof, tonight, today, our podcast today, we talk. We've got two interviews. Um, I'm catching up with two of the guys behind uh, Bruce Vegas, which is, gee, just weeks away. Um, two or three weeks away. I'm trying to think. It starts on the eighth from memory. Um, and getting bigger and bigger by the look of it. Well, funnily enough, it's actually getting smaller and smaller this year. They've uh, they've limited the number of events. Last year, it was a bit of a free for all, and I think the feedback that they got was that there may have been too many um, events. And so, you know, some venues were doing an, an event every night, um, which may have crowded out the, um, you know, crowded out the program a little bit. Um, and so they've limited it to the venues that have signed on, get two events uh, oh, okay. during the under week. Under the banner of and Bruce Vegas. Uh, under yeah, the banner yeah. of Bruce yep. Vegas. Apparently there'll be some unofficial events, but then again, um, and, and actually, this is what I, I, I talked to Declan Law and Andrew Sides. Uh, Declan Law um, has Hoo-Ha Bar, which, as I say, is yeah, a great little um, craft beer bar. And uh, Andrew Sides, who used to be with Green Beacon um, and is now with the new brewery startup. He's the general manager of Catchment. So I popped across to Catchment yesterday and had a bit of a chat to them um, about the events that they're holding. Um, you know, which I think it's fair to plug them, given they were the guys who uh, gave up their time to come along and have a bit of a chat. Um, and just about Bruce Vegas, uh, all in all. So uh, here's my chat with Declan and Andrew. Guys, uh, we're here chatting about Bruce Vegas, Brisbane's uh, great big beer festival. I guess the best place to start is tell us a little bit about uh, what Bruce Vegas is and what you hope to achieve. Yeah, so Bruce Vegas is, uh, I guess, a week long or thereabouts week-long celebration of, of good beer. It's a, a chance, I guess, to, um, to band together as a community and, and put on a bunch of cool events um, across, you know, we've got, I think, about 60 venues this year, thereabouts, 50 to 60 venues. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's an opportunity, I guess, for, for the good beer industry in Brisbane um, to, yeah, have a bit of a party and, and uh, I guess, promote the, the causes on, you know, as a whole, as a, as a sort of a, a big group together. Um, yeah, it's probably the long Now, we've got almost 100 events uh, across the... Oh, it's a little bit longer than a week, so it's a, the week with a weekend tacked yeah, on, so nine days. 10, nine or 10 days, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 87 events in total, yeah, 10, 10 days, yeah. Friday to the following Sunday. And what's the, the background to Bruce Vegas? Because we have seen a number of uh, beer festivals uh, spring up around the country with a, a couple of different models, but this one is very much a community based, uh, the, the beer community base where a number of the craft beer venues have banded together um, but opened it up not just for the for the, the, the small group of guys who are organising it but for all good beer venues in Brisbane. I think, uh, I think ultimately it, it boiled down to we wanted to grow the good beer community if you, if you kind of want to use, use such a phrase. So um, We've got a, a fantastic industry here that's been quite small to date, um, and by attempting to, 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 you know, get restaurants on board and, and, and motorbike mechanics are on board this year as well, and, and other industries involved, uh, we can just continue to grow what is what is a good industry. 
it's interesting. Brews um, beer festivals. I, 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 I guess I've been around for a while, and I remember the days when you, there were no craft beer venues. And the only way you could get craft beer sold was almost to have your own little event. And a lot of the beer festivals sprung out of that. Um, is there still a, you know, an element of craft beer as the underdog? You don't see big wine, you know, weeks of wine festival or you know, uh, spirit festivals or um, hamburger festivals, but you know, craft beer still has this, um, you know, uh, we have a big festival to take it out to the people and get it out there, even though we've got you know, dozens of uh, great beer venues doing tap takeovers and specialty venues. Is there something uh, about a concentrated week of events that you know, really celebrate, that allows us to do something different with beer than we can do in our venues individually? Um, I, I think it kind of comes down to a bit of what I was saying before, that... Um, Getting together, you know, getting together to put on a, a an industry wide show and, and to make a bit of noise about it, and make a bit of noise about the fact that there is an alternate. There's an alternative beer scene um, that's sort of coming up. You know, obviously in, in Brisbane, and that's sort of our key focus is our local area. But um, so sort of I just, I guess, bringing more awareness to, to good beer, you know, uh, on the whole. And I think, um, I think, you know, it's part of it comes down to the fact that you can get very, and I mean, certainly working in the industry you kind of you're in a bit of a bubble where everyone that you know and everyone that you know all your customers and and um all your colleagues and stuff like that uh, are obviously into good beer and and how that is a you know it's very much on their radar and very much a part of the way that they drink and enjoy beer is, is thinking about flavor and variety and and um and all that sort of thing but that's actually still you know if we look at the look at the data look at the figures it's still relatively small part of the, of the population, a small part of the way that we consume beer in Australia and um, I mean Queensland's absolutely no exception that um, you know we're, we're still very much in the minority um, and it's still very much you know it, there's I think the onus when you're doing something different the onus is on us to, to I guess to sell it and to you know to, to uh, maybe sell is not the right word that's I guess literally what we're doing but but to I guess um, champion that that cause um, and to make the noise about it and, and I guess justify the existence of of good beer and justify why it's worth sort of trying something different um, and you know sometimes it means paying a little bit more money or often it does and sometimes it means that you've um, got a bit more finicky about the way the beer is stored and, and um, it means I guess investing a bit more time and a bit more effort into into the beer that you drink and, and a, a bit more thought into it um, but I guess our thought is that you get a lot more out of it we feel that you get a lot more out of it as well so um but yeah, we, I mean, we really are, we're, we're the ones that are, I guess, uh, you know, trying to make the change and trying to um, get people into something that, other, you know, that's a little bit different. So it's, um, it, I guess, it's, that's it. It's an, a chance for us all to, to um, you know, to, to show off a little bit of, of, you know, what gets us really excited about beer and what makes us passionate. Um, yeah. Andrew, you're general manager of, we're sitting in Catchment uh, Brewery, the uh, venue that you're the general manager for. What are the events that you're hosting? Um, and each venue is only allowed two events, so to avoid overcrowding of the, the, the week. What are the events that you're hosting here? Yeah, cool. So we're doing, um, it's always good to have a free plug, we're doing um, the Catchment Catch. Uh, there seems to be a, a strong connection between good beer and, and, uh, and bad puns, so uh, we, we, we're, you know, we're about to it this time around. But we're doing the catch and catch, which will be a a, um, uh, a seafood um, dinner. So um, uh, you know, a night of food that's sort of all revolved around seafood or you know, food from the sea. We're also doing 
um, a wine pairing, a beer pairing, and a whiskey pairing with each course. So we're going to be sort of about three and a half, maybe four courses. Um, the chefs are just finalising the menu at the moment, but uh, we wanted to. I mean, food, food and wine pairings been you know been done a lot. Um, food and beer pairings definitely starting to to um, you know become more and more popular, and you only need, only need to see some of the bigger international brands starting to all of a sudden you know in the last few years have started to. You know, some of your, your bigger brands have started to suggest beer pairings with their you know, food pairings with their, their products and stuff like that. So that's gaining popularity. So we thought we'd add another string to that bow and, and uh, you know, have, have whiskey, wine and, and beer all together. So that's what we're doing for that night. So that should be a bit of fun and, um, you know, a bit of, bit of friendly competition, I guess, to see which pairing works best. Uh, and then we're also doing, um, on Saturday, we're getting involved with um, a couple of other local um, companies and charities. So... Um, with Ellis Speed motorcycles, um, we're uh, having a, a bit of a sort of a pop-up bar and, and, uh, and, and party at their at their workshop. Um, we're raising money to support um, Traction, which is a, a local um, charity organisation that works with kids who are you know maybe um, maybe having a bit of a tough time and you know it's difficult to be a kid at the best of times, I guess. And, and they um, develop mentoring relationships around uh, working on bikes and, and, and repairing. Um, bicycles as well as motorcycles and doing rebuilds and stuff like that so it's sort of engaging kids in something you know that they learn and, and um, is stimulating and, and uh, you know maybe maybe keeps them out of, out of trouble um, so we're, we're doing that with those guys and, and the guys from Young Henry's and, and um, yeah so it should be a good fun event you know check out some cool bikes and have some beers and yeah so it's not just about beer drinking it's about looking at the, the networks that uh, the, the creativity of craft beer fosters um, and looking at how they can work into other industries and create interesting events? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the, the I guess, the key tenets of, of Bruce Vegas is that we want a collaboration and we wanted to step outside of just our industry. So, um, you know, back to your question before about um, the, you know, sort of how Bruce Vegas is different, I guess, to other festivals and um, all the, the, you know, the justification for a beer festival in itself. Um, we're, Jack and I were talking just before. Actually, we're, we're pretty. It's a pretty cool thing to be a part of. Cool industry to be a part of. That the local scene. That there really is a real sense of, I guess, being in it together. And and um, and uh, you know, there's sort of not a great deal of competition. It's more about you know, all, you know, working with a common cause. I guess. Um, and you know, we were sort of reflecting on you know, I wonder, wonder whether that will be a, a permanent thing or whether that's sort of just out of the you know the, the state of things as they are at the moment. But um, you know, I can't really sort of see it changing because there's sort of there's this want to engage with each other, but I think there's also a, a real, you know, what we're trying to push is engaging with other parts of the community as well. And, and um, you know, without wanting to get too much into it, I think, you know, craft beer really um, has a really sort of strong, responsible con- consumption of, of alcohol kind of uh, focus on it that we're, we're looking to, um, to promote, you know, enjoyment of the product rather than just, the, the buzz from you know the, the, the effect that alcohol has on your brain um, and uh, while that's absolutely you know craft beer or good beer is an exempt from that um, it's that's at a slightly different focus I guess that can that can be the difference between uh, you know uh, perhaps a, a slightly more negative relationship with alcohol and, and maybe a more positive you know social um, uh, relationship with with, uh, with drinking I guess so now, Declan, your bar is the Hoo-Ha Bar, which uh, is a little bit uh, my office away from home. Uh, I always come in and if I've got meetings, I tend to schedule them there, get a great coffee, not just a great beer. What are, what are the events that you're hosting as part of uh, 
Bruce Vegas. Uh, so we've got we've got two events like like Andrew has here at Catchment. The first one is um, we've called it the Amateur Hour, um, or the second take because we did it last year, um, and it's more of a I suppose an educational focus on on, on good beer, um, and we, we split it up into two two components. The first component will be a I suppose a discussion and question and answer type type thing with a with a panelist of five. Uh, brewers from five different breweries and the idea was to try to get brewers who are at different stages of their careers and are working in, in, in different sizes of facility so we've got um, a couple of local guys we've got a couple of uh, gypsy brewers semi-pro are on board uh, we've got black hops on board so they're currently in the middle of building their own their own brewery uh, we have got Tom Delmont from Fixation Brewing, and um, the fourth is to be confirmed. <laughs> Brisbane Brewing Co. though is looking like they're going to be on board. We're just waiting on confirmation from that. Um, and yeah, so the idea will be if, if if any individual wants to wants to get into the industry and get into the brewing aspect of the industry, they can come along. Um, it's a it's a non ticketed event, so it's a free night, and they can they can ask questions and get answers. You know, regarding how to get into the career, how does it all work, what qualifications do you need, if any, and so on and so forth. So that's 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 the first part. The second part, we're going to do a live brewing demonstration. So the, the Black Ops guys are going to do a, a relatively short brewing demo. Um, again, just to give people an idea of how, how the process works or what, what the process is. So that's the first one, the amateur hour. The second one we're doing um, is called the Taste of Tasmania, or Taste of Tassie. And we're, in effect, just showcasing all the good produce that comes from Tasmania. So um, from time to time, we've had different Tasmanian beers and, and, and got produce food-wise from Tasmania. So this, this year, we thought we'd put it all together and have a, have a night out and, and just really really focus on, on Tassie. So we're going to have three beers and, and, a, and a cider. Uh, again, all, all Tasmanian. We're going to have a couple of Tasmanian whiskies um, and four courses of food made from Tasmanian produce. So... Again, the idea is is not so much well for both events. The idea is not so much to you know, consume as much as you humanly can. It really is in the first instance for the amateur hour to to, to learn something from it, um, and then with the taste of Tassie is to um, well, yeah, I suppose continue learning, learn about Tasmania, experience the good produce that comes from it, and maybe go away with you know having consumed things that you've never had before. Um, so yeah, we've got a couple of very small breweries on board. And the logistics of which to get the kegs up to Brisbane have been a nightmare, but we're we're all over it now. It's all good. So, okay, having got uh, our own plugs out of the way, or your own plugs out of the way, and I should say that I'm uh, doing an event. Uh, well, I'm involved in an event with uh, Black Pearl Epicure and Holgate Brewhouse, um, looking at uh, cheese and beer and fine foods. Um, but outside of uh, those events, uh, what's your pick uh, for other events, or you know, what cap- uh, captures the essence of Bruce Vegas? Uh, for you guys, um, or just sums up what your Brewers Vegas is trying to achieve. Uh, for me, the the pick of the event, not so much because of those reasons I just gave, um, but because I'm very uh, interested in seeing him. Is uh, Pete Brown is in town? Uh, Pete Brown's uh, an English beer writer, um, author of some great uh, books: Three Sheets of the Wind, uh, um, Hops and Glory, looking at the story of IPA. Um, he's kind of like the Bill Bryson of beer writing. Um, tells a cracking yarn. 
um, but communicates a lot about beer, and he's going to be appearing and talking about uh, hops. He's over here researching his, his next book, and uh, Stone and Wood are putting him into archive for a Q&A session, so that's my pick. Andrew, uh, what's your pick for uh, events outside of the ones that you're involved in? Now, it's very hard to, uh, you know, being, being the organiser, trying to uh, put it down to one. How about you, Declan? Is there one that you can springs to mind? Uh, yeah, look, there's a few. Um and you're right, they are all good, so it's hard to pick one. But uh, Brewski's um, teaming up with Evil Twin is, is is set to be good. I believe there's there's going to be a number of little events throughout the week, so that'll be interesting to get a to get a bit of an insight into a, 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 well, quite a famous and quite popular brewery and, and, and brewer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's challenging to put my finger on one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got a pass on that. It's uh, yeah. I'd have to. I'll, I'll, I'll read my program. It, 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 you can all do it. You jump on the website. The it is very hard to sort of uh, pull out one um, at all. But obviously, brisvegas.com.au is the website that uh, Brisbaneites can go to. It's certainly, you know, we're two weeks away um, by the time this goes out. So it's well worth anyone who has a reason to be in Brisbane to uh, to check it out. Or if you are in Brisbane, um, check out brisvegas. Is it .com.au or just brisvegas.com? .com.au. Um, programs are at all good beer bars around Brisbane and uh, check it out and come along and join us uh, for a, a week of great beer in Brisbane. Yeah. I think one, one more thing I'd like to add would be that it's, it's very safe to say that there will be something for everybody. If you are into an educational side of things, there'll be something there. If you're looking for something just more fun orientated, there's, there's plenty of events related around that. Uh, there's good food events, there's wine and whiskies and so on included as well, so it's not just, it's not just beer. So yeah, we'll see everyone at the launch party. Uh, everyone's welcome to come along. We're doing that uh, on the Friday night, Friday the 11th of March at Wandering Cooks. So it's just, I guess, a chance before the week kicks off and everyone goes and does their does their events and, and you know people are madly rushing between venues and trying to work out how to you know best plan their time and their, and their budget to, to get to every event. Uh, we're just having a bit of fun and getting together with a whole bunch of local brewers, um, having a bit of a beer showcase and some food trucks and, and, and just a night to kind of get together as a community as a whole. So that's uh, yeah, Friday 11th of March at 5 o'clock at One Room Cooks in um, South Brisbane. So see you there and then we'll, uh, we'll probably bump into you throughout the week as well, I'm sure. Terrific, guys. Have a happy Bruce Vegas. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. In the garden, what a garden, only happy faces. There we go, Prof. Uh, Declan Andrew at Catchment talking about all things Bruce Vegas. Should be good. And um, yeah, we can only encourage all the um, Brisbaneites to get out and support the concept and um, and get into a local venue. Yeah, it, it did raise um, a, a bit of an issue um, during during the chat prop, and it, it's something that I think is true of any beer events. And I know that uh, you know Corey Crooks when he was running the Newcastle Craft Beer Week, and it happens for uh, Melbourne Good Beer Week, and just about any event, you get this feeling that when a venue signs up to be part of the week, 
they expect the organisers of the week to deliver to them a full event. Um, you know, as if they don't need to do anything. We've signed up for Bruce Vegas or we've signed up for Good Beer Week. People will just turn just, up. People will turn up because we've paid, you know, however much. And particularly Bruce Vegas, they these guys are all running their own venues. They're all completely unpaid. I believe, you know, Good Beer Week is so big that there are a number of paid positions for that. Um, no one's making a killing out of it, but, you know, there, there is a bit of a professionalism around it. But Bruce Vegas is very much... Um, a group of people who love craft beer and want to, you know, be seen to be supporting it. Um, but it's, it's up to venues that if, like, if you're a venue that has craft beer on, but doesn't get out and engage with your audience, you can't really expect just being part of a, you know, an event like Bruce Vegas to deliver you that full bar. Um, I, I think you know, I've heard it said that, you know, you need to fill 80% of the thing yourself, just from your own mailing list, from your own, uh, endeavors with promoting yeah. it, and you might get Market like it. a twenty percent reach out because there are eighty-seven other events that are all vying for beer drinkers' attention, um, which is always a, a really interesting dynamic. I think people forget about sometimes. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, now, Prof, uh, maybe you'd like to tell us a little bit about our next guest. Our next guest, Matt, is um, a young lady who has started a new beer magazine. I was going to give a bit of the backstory, but then that'll give away what um, what she's going to tell us. So uh, it's Emily Day, who is uh, just a lovely person and is uh, off her own bat and in her own spare time, creating a um, a magazine all about beer, but not in the traditional sense. Well, that's an excellent question, isn't it? Um, Emily Day is kind of this crazy lady who lives in Melbourne, and she really loves beer and journalism, and then... One day she just decided that she really needs to bring these two things together and write a beer magazine, and that's what I've been doing for the past few months. Now, that's kind of like how we all started, or at least everybody sitting in this uh, uh, virtual room. Um, What's your background in journalism? Is journalism your day job? Yes. Um, So, yeah, like I studied journalism at uni and um, I've been working as a sub-editor for the past eight years. Um, so That's a dying breed, isn't it? They're trying to kill us off, but <laughs> like I'm resisting because I really like punctuation and spelling. Um, so hopefully, yeah, we don't die too quickly. But um, yeah, and I do a bit of kind of freelance writing and um, I do some photography for Beat Magazine as well. So um yeah, so I was kind of like, you know, I felt like I kind of had all of the skills to make this magazine if there was no one else to help me. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll just give it a go, see what happens. So what's your background in beer? I just really like drinking it. Um, but I studied German at uni as well. I, I majored in German, so I went over there for my honours year to Berlin. Uh write my thesis on 19th century romantic feminist literature, as you do, but then I kind of got a bit sidetracked drinking all of the beers instead, which was <laughs> um, really nice, and um, yeah, I used to work in hospitals as well, and work in bars, and then I got a job at the um, Belgian Beer Cafe, so, you know, fell a bit in love with European beers, so that was kind of back in 2005, and then... Um, when I came back from Germany, yeah, I really started seeking out more interesting views and and then writing little 
crappy reviews of them and <laughs> not showing them to anyone because they're a bit silly, but yeah. I, I guess you're very lucky in that sense because it, it sounds like Pete and I are a little bit older than you in the end. Uh, so a lot of our contemporaries, when they went overseas and you know, went to Germany or Belgium and discovered great beer, uh, they came back and were left disappointed with how you know ordinary Australian uh, lager was, and they didn't have an alternative. I guess anyone that's uh, had the same experience in the, in the last you know, 10 or 15 years when we have seen this uh, growth of craft breweries, they've developed their love overseas and come back and got to indulge that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been a bit sad if, if I'd come back and it was just TV. I probably would have moved back to Germany. But, um, yeah, there was interesting um, options popping up and, yeah, it was still not a huge amount going on in Melbourne, but there was enough to get excited about and then, you know, go to a special bottle shop and get some American or, you know, English beers or whatever and start exploring all the different flavours and styles and, you know, it's also something that me and my dad used to do together, so we still do. That made it sound like he's dead. He's not dead. Um, <laughs> I just don't think he can now. so busy. I don't get to see him as much as I would like. But, um, yeah, so that would be a nice thing for us to, like, get, like, four nice beers and share them and have a talk about them. Now, I was reading a story that Crafty Pint, um, James Smith, did on you uh, when you launched the magazine. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he got an email from you one day asking what his thoughts were about a street-style magazine. Yeah. And suddenly, two months later, he had it in his hand. It sounds like you moved very, very, very quickly. Yeah, I think, yeah, what you, what you do is to get something done is you start telling people that you're going to do it. And then you have to or you're going to look silly. So that's what I did. So if I kept it to myself, I probably would have just sat on it for like a year. But because I started telling people, like, oh, I really want to start a beer magazine. So then I was like, well, I better do it. Oh, I just look like an idiot. And also a couple of people were like, well, if, if you're going to do it, like, just do it. Like, don't try and create a perfect product or anything. Just, like, smash it out and then let it evolve from there. So, Emily, were you able to use um, contacts, you know, Beat Magazine or, or um, your journalism contacts, just in terms of sort of, I guess, working out how it would look and getting designers to help you out and you've got some great um, uh, cartoonists or artists um, contributing to the mag. Um, did that sort of help get it up and get it quickly? Um, no. Um, I really pulled it all out of my own ass. Um, but what has been really nice is, so I was like, oh, yeah, I can design it myself, blah, 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 um, forgetting that my design skills are quite horrible. But... Um, yeah, this one night I was at this beer event that Kaiju put on at this bar in Melbourne called Sun Moth and um, I had quite a few Kaiju beers and got a little bit chatty and possibly went around the room talking to everyone about beer and that I was going to start a beer magazine. And then the next day this young man contacted me and said, I would really like to design your beer magazine. And I'm like, I do not remember you at all, but yes. <laughs> so... Um, and so, yeah, this awesome young guy, Clint, who is uh, studying design, just about to finish his course, um, is now designing the magazine. Um, so that is amazing because, for instance, um, the February edition, let's say, looks a little bit crappy because Clint was on holidays, so I had to design it myself. So I'm really glad that um, for all the other editions he is on board. Because, um, yeah, so basically what I'm trying to say is that I was like, all right, I can do all this myself. Luckily, all these other people were like, let me help you. Um, so I've got all these amazing people who are offering their skills and making it a much better product than if I'd done it all myself. 
Okay, so the magazine is nominally about craft beer. Um, what what angle do you take? What, what's, tell us a little bit about what uh, someone who picks up the magazine, what they're going to read inside. Um, well, I guess it's almost a celebration of the local craft beer scene. Because I've just been going to... Local being Melbourne, obviously. Uh, Melbourne and also Australian. So, oh. yeah, all of the black Australian brewers, but I guess because I live in Melbourne... It's got more of a Melbourne focus. In fact, like I only meant it to be a Melbourne magazine, but it's kind of expanding because a lot of other um, pubs in other cities were keen to get some, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I just want to celebrate the local scene and all the stories behind all of the breweries I find really fascinating. Um, and there's so many interesting characters in the scene, as you know. Like everyone's, well, most people are just like really nice and really funny and just super interesting to talk to, so I wanted to put those stories down. And also, it's kind of like, I want it to be like quite funny and maybe every now and then just taking the piss, because um, I used to edit a bit for Epicure magazine in the age, and stories about coffee, I was like, oh my God, we're taking this way too seriously, it's just a beverage, calm down everyone. I'm- I'm just going to read something to you that you, uh, again, you uh, said to Crafty. Um, at first, I thought I'd make it really cool and broadsheety and hipster, but I realized that wasn't me at all. So I went with silly and fun and irre- irreverent, not irrelevant, irreverent. I didn't want it to disappear up its own ass like the coffee scene. Correct. Um, so I, 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 do you think there is a potential for craft beer to disappear up its own ass and take itself all a little bit too seriously? Um, yeah, I think so, definitely. Like, I think once a topic becomes quite specialised and people can become experts and it can become more and more niche and exclusive, um, like, you know, perhaps, like, you know, you feel maybe a bit of an idiot commenting on wine, like I would, because I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say. So I'm kind of, I'm really keen to keep beer, like, broad and open. And, yeah, you can super, obviously, massively disappear down, like, the geek wormhole and get really excited about the specifics. But I just want, like, ordinary people to just be like, oh, wow, you know, this sour beer is going off. You know, I just love it. And so to not... um exclude people who might not know the right terminology. And that's why I've got my mum on board. Uh, well, actually, just because it was quite funny. So she hates beer, so I get her to review these amazing craft beers, and she's just, like, revolting, you know. So just just to be like, look, at the end of the day, it's a beverage, and my mum probably doesn't like it. <laughs> it, it. It's funny that you say that, because on one hand, you don't want to make it too exclusive or anything like that, and yet the beer that you uh, gave the example of was a sour beer, which is probably, you know, at that... At, 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 at the very sharp end of a very pointy end of a uh, you know very narrow yeah. needle of, of the beer mask market when you know ninety percent of uh, beer drinkers in Australia are still you know thinking that say Heineken is infinitely superior to VB yeah um, to, to to be writing about that so so you're still playing in that um, uh, you know, niche where people have made the step into craft beer I guess I think like when I think of like my audience member, like I often think of my flatmate and best friend who is this lovely girl who like, you know, just a few months ago she was just buying whatever was on special at the local food works and now she's bringing home like this insane like Nutella, like chocolate <laughs> Yuzu porters. So um, I kind of feel like people just need to, if people just like read a little bit like 
you know, a funny review of a quite cool beer, they'd be like, oh, that's not like a scary, threatening beer. You know, it just sounds fun. And so, but also, yeah, I mean, your normal craft beers as well. So your craft beers that are not too scary, I'm reviewing them as well. So it's, yeah, I I kind of think of the readers like, you know, beer nerds and brewers are enjoying the magazine, but also people who are just like, you know, they're having a James Squire and that's maybe a little bit different and challenging, but then they're like, oh, you know, Edge is making this cool hot slider. I'll, I'll give that a go. That sounds pretty doable and and then can explore from there. Hey, Emily, the, the magazine at the moment is available principally in um, licensed venues and breweries. Is yeah. the intention that, I guess, you, you capture um, somebody's attention there, they can then take the magazine home and kind of, I guess, continue their journey outside of the the confines of the pub and then, I guess, take tentative steps on the on their own? Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, we've also set up like a subscription thing so people who, you know, can't find it near them or can't get to the pub as often as they'd like, I'll send it to their home. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely something that people take home and they, um, yeah, read, read all the way through. But, yeah, they might – I kind of thought of, like, it would be nice to just have it for free at the bar. So if you're, like, reading for someone or just having a drink by yourself, you can flip through it. But, yeah, you know, definitely take it home and give a read and – yeah, go from there, really. Yeah, I was going to point out that the one of the, I think, apart from the, the quality of the, the content itself, the fact that it's free, um, I think is just a, a massive a massive plus. So obviously the um, advertising and um, I guess the contributions or the uh, generosity of, of your contributors helps to kind of keep the cost down and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I've, I've, well, I've been super lucky because a lot of people were really keen to write for it and I feel like a lot of people have like a beer story inside them and they've just been waiting for this kind of platform to get it out. But um, yeah, like the model was always going to be free because I, I want it just to be sitting there for anyone to pick up because otherwise you're probably just going to get people who are already into beer so, um, or already into craft beer. So I just wanted it to be something that anyone could walk in and, and grab it and be like, oh. Cool. I didn't know that about this. I think the um, the section that I love the most because she's um, a, a, a dear friend as well, uh, and, and one of the most interesting people, kind of outside of the the beer bubble, is Jem's um, pieces on where she kind of blends a beer and a book. Yeah. Um, yeah. She contacted me with that idea, and I was just over the moon because yeah, I, like I'm I'm a bit of a bookworm as well so yeah and sitting down with a beer in a book is just like the best thing and for her to match them was just so exciting and obviously she's massively well read and super intelligent so to have her contributing these amazing pieces just totally makes my day. The, the magazine is available in you know as far afield as Brisbane where I am um, how are you going getting content that you know is reflective of all of the markets that uh, it's available in or all of the places that you can read it? Um, well, I actually was in Brisbane on the weekend. I should have contacted you. Um, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> he's, he's got, sorry, I'm not. His dance card's fairly full as it is, Emily. So. <laughs> um, I did a very flying visit to Brisbane on Saturday night to check out all of the, well, I thought I was going to check out all the venues. That was very ambitious of me. But I checked out several of the awesome crafty venues because I wanted to write a piece about Bruce Vegas for our March edition. So I thought, well, I'd better check out the scene because, um, yeah, I, I kind of grew up on the Gold Coast and Brisbane's always been one of my favourite cities, but 
always a bit of a daggy city. And now I'm like, wow, Brisbane got cool. Like, Crash Bar was just, like, amazing. You know, I went to Newstead and uh, oh, Bloodhound Bar. Yeah, like, five bars, and they were all just had these amazing tap lists and lovely people working there. So it's kind of super exciting. And went out to Bacchus Brewing, had a chat to Ross, and, yeah, really, really exciting scene. So, um, yeah, that'll be in our March edition. So I'm kind of keen to um, check out... Yeah, included about every capital city and, I mean, like we're only up to edition four, but who knows, maybe in the future there'll be a, a different cross in every capital city with local content. Excellent. Now, one of the things I've noticed, and it's, it's not peculiar, peculiar, I'm, I haven't had enough coffee, it's not peculiar to froth, um, is that a lot of the photos you see on social media, online, when you go to, to, to beer bars, uh, you know, the, the young guys... Thick Ned Kelly beards, um, you know, lots of tattoos, you know, very stylish. I'm, I'm not going to use the word hipster because that's just a, you know, a lazy description. But there is a look commonly associated with um, craft beer, certainly the, the, the men. Um, do you think that, th- that there is a risk that craft beer becomes... Um, you know, associated with that look, and then once you know everybody shaves off their beards and you know starts wearing you know baggy clothes rather than uh, you know skinny jeans or whatever the fashion is, the craft beer goes the, the way of the shaved beard. I don't quite understand that question. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm trying to work out where you're going with that too. <laughs> okay, well at, at, the, at the moment there is it's very easy for um, to, to look at craft beer and you know craft beer bars as being you know, something that's, you know, very fashionable and, you know, that, that there is a look associated with, you yeah. know, when you're looking at the photos of, uh, you know, most of the, the, the waiters at a craft beer or most of the yeah. bartenders at a craft beer bar, you know, there's the heavy beards, there's the tattoos. Is craft beer caught up in that fashion or is craft beer a thing uh, that has its own uh, life a, 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 apart from, you know, because uh, in 10, 10 years ago there were no beards. Yeah. In five years' time there will be no beards. Will craft beer come and go um, with, with, with that particular fashion? Um, I think that we really need to divorce craft beer and beers. I don't see the connection there at all. I think that's more of a Venn diagram. Like if you've got men wearing beards and men who like craft beer and then you've got the little bit in the middle that encapsulates both of them. But I think that if you shave these men, they're still going to like craft beer. I don't think there's anything cool or fashionable about craft beer. Like, I think it's really more on the nerdy spectrum because it's something you can get really fascinated about and scientifically and, like, creatively. Like, it's not it's not, it's not not stylish to have, like, a goes. Like, it's nerdy as all hell. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say that a lot of these men are bearded, but it's probably more because they're lazy than they're cool. Okay. Um, I, I mean, Pete and I certainly don't have uh, have beards or tattoos. <laughs> not, not that I've seen, Prof. It's fair to argue that we are past uh, trying to be fashionable by, <laughs> by about 18 years. Yeah. Well, in, in, in fact, Pete, I'd describe it that craft beer is the one time that fashion and I have vaguely coincided <laughs> uh, in the same time and place. Um it, and, and, yeah. it does mean that Matt and I are fairly easy to pick out to spot in a in a craft a crowded craft bar. The two guys without yeah, beards. That must be Matt and Pete. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and so I guess that, I mean that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess that's my point. Um, is that you know I sort of dabble. You know, I sort of go to a lot of craft beer bars and you know stand out um, and, and and look very very different yeah. to the usual craft beer. Yeah. Uh, try, try being a chick. <laughs> 
and, 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 and we'll get to that. And, and that, that's the thing. You know, is there, um, you know, something – and a lot of my contemporaries who aren't into craft beer um, – and haven't yet, you know, they, they may have started sort of dabbling with the golden ales and things like that. Yeah. They're not likely to go to those sorts of, you know, craft beer bars yeah. because they don't feel included um, ah. because it's it, 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 it's so different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is, you know, there, there is a look associated with craft beer and even just sort of flicking through Froth, Froth uh, Magazine's Facebook page um, as we chat, I think there's a photo of um, your mum. Yeah. Um, at Boat Rocker, oh, yeah, definitely yeah. no beard. <laughs> definitely no beard there. But yeah, I had to wade through a few beards before suddenly I got to a uh, a, a fresh face. And you know, it, it, you know, is there a look associated with craft beer that you know maybe sort of uh, excludes some people? Um, yeah, I guess like yeah, like when you think of your craft beer drinker, yeah, it's probably like a dude in his twenties or thirties or forties with a beard and you know maybe a little tummy as well. But um, I, I guess I'm also keen to kind of break down that stereotype. That's why I chucked myself on the front page of my first edition. Like, I was actually going to have a beauty guy to be like, oh, I'd better try and connect with my audience. I was going to have a beauty model. And, well, one of the reasons was he cost $700. So I was like, look at that. I can, I can model as good as him if I chuck myself on it. But then I was like, well, hey, look, this is a beer magazine and it's a girl who's not about beer. So let's just start washing down those stereotypes and... Um, I don't know, I kind of feel like if people, that craft beer is probably more, people are propelled more by their taste and their, um, like, I'm trying to say like their, their taste buds will drive them into a bar and like, if I'm being served by like a, a fire-breathing dragon, I won't care because I want to get to that beer. So I, I don't find it particularly exclusive as a, as a non-bearded chick, so I, I don't, if, if someone finds that like confronting or like, repellent, then they don't love craft beer enough. Now, you did raise the uh, issue that uh, you're a woman in beer. How how has the response been to, you know, a, a young woman getting involved in craft beer and publishing a craft beer magazine? Um, well, I have to say it's kind of been surprisingly amazing. I, I really thought there would be, like, I was really bracing myself for the reaction of, like, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, this isn't your thing, bugger off. But... Everyone has actually been really cool. I kind of feel like everyone's like my big brother. So, yeah, I have to say that the craft beer scene is probably like 99% populated by gentlemen and just lovely blokes. And all they can say is that, oh, you're really into beer. That's something I can connect with. And so the gender is not important. So that's been, yeah, really exciting for me. Someone who like, you know, maybe in other spheres, if you try and do something in a in a male environment, you are pointed out that you are a girl. So to be just like completely accepted and like people do want to work with you and talk to you about beer has just been totally heartwarming and just makes me really excited and want to be more involved. And if you if you were to go back you know, twenty or you know back to the days of uh, the ladies' lounge and the um, uh, the six o'clock swill and and beer was very very blokey traditionally. Yeah. Um, Craft beer, I think, um, has not only I, I don't think has even recognised those boundaries. I don't I don't think there was mm. even a boundary there almost almost to break down. And you look at the number of beer reps, um, the number of uh, brewers, uh, and also I guess in, in venues the number you know, the there's um, a lot more female. Like it, there doesn't seem to be a barrier to 
joining in this whole, you know, inverted commas craft beer thing. But more importantly, the if you go into, I guess, the, the more popular craft beer venues, apart from the beards, the the rest of the crowd is very noticeable by um, the fact that they are quite female. Yeah, like it's 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 always great going to Gabs and there's just you know heaps of chiefs just enjoying beer and you know groups of girls by themselves and um, it's yeah it's definitely I don't think that it's something where a woman would necessarily feel yeah hard to get into and I think that's that's probably quite a recent thing like for instance like have you. Okay. Have you personally had any experience of, I guess, you know, perhaps a, a bartender trying to um, explain a beer to you or, or to, to, you know, you go up and you ask for a, you know, a certain beer and, and they almost try to talk you out of it, you know, do you realise, you know, that's quite hoppy or it's, you know, a sour or whatever like that? Have you had that experience at all? Um, I've never had that and that would just be really annoying. But, um, for instance, the other day I was, at a, this is up in Brizzy actually, and this guy was handed a beer and I was behind him in the line and it just had like this beautiful creamy head on it and I, and I just was like, oh, that head looks lovely. And then he turned to me and he was like, oh yeah, it's, it's on nitro. And I was like, oh, awesome. And he's like, oh, do you know something about beer? And I just kind of cracked up laughing because he'd actually been reading Frost magazine earlier and I was like, yeah, that's my <laughs> magazine. Um, so occasionally there's, I mean, he was like an older dude. Occasionally it's like, oh, Hear something about beer, but um, I would say that yeah, I've never, I've ugh, probably like maybe once in a billion times had a bartender be a bit irritating, but um, generally, if you come up and be excited about beer, they want to talk about it. Yeah, in my experience, those guys, or you know, they're they're twats, no matter whether they're talking yeah. to a girl or an old bloke <laughs> or a young person or a supplier or a delivery guy or um or yeah. the boss. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So. Yeah. I definitely think it's a well. From my opinion, I don't. I don't know if other girls have different stories, but from my point of view, it feels like an equal opportunity. Like I'd love to see more chick brewers, and I think that would definitely happen as more women drink craft beer and go. Oh, I, yeah, I want to make this, but I, I don't. I personally do not see a glass ceiling in the craft beer industry. So Emily, what's next for Froth? Um, you know, do you, you are looking at sort of uh, getting more content from interstate and uh, broadening it? What's uh, but what, what's the ultimate plan? Um, well, obviously taking over the world and creating my own media empire, and then maybe taking on Rupert Murdoch in a fist fight. But um, my kind of closer, like immediate plan is just to keep pumping out Froth on a monthly basis without going crazy and. Um, grow it so that there is profit available in every craft beer bar around Australia and just create this awesome dialogue around the country and get every kind of brewer and craft beer fan involved. Uh, so you've still got your day job and you're doing this on the side? Yep. And how, how are you finding that? Uh, I mean, I find it very difficult to get out uh, running our own little media empire, this <laughs> Bruce News. Um, Sorry, yeah. Hopefully that you don't expect to make a, a profit um, <laughs> through through yours, uh, or if you do, maybe you can show us how to do it. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, it, there is a challenge in uh, trying to have a day job 
uh, get something like this out and then stay on top of the all of the new beers and all of the new bars um, that are happening, particularly you know, in the case of Prop and I, you know, we've got families and we've got kids, and we've got other commitments. Um, how, how are you finding, uh, you know, keeping up with all of the new arrivals on the craft beer scene? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a bit tricky kind of dividing up your time because obviously I have, yeah, my work commitments and... I mean, I don't have dogs, but I've have. Oh my god! Sorry, I was just staring at my dog as I said that. I don't have children, but I do have a little dog who is my baby and is sitting on my feet right now. And so, yeah, if if I don't take care of him, he he will fly up and let me know that I've been a bad mom. So, but at the same time, like all, all of my kind of interviews and networking and meeting people in greener bars has to take place after work or in my lunch break or, you know, I might get up at five, write a bit for frost go to work, go to a bar afterwards, meet up with a writer or a brewer and interview them, go home, try and write it up, try and, you know, take care of my dog and make sure I actually eat some food. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy hectic and we will see how it goes. But at the moment, it's, it's working. Well, you know, I haven't had a mental breakdown yet. So, <laughs> but cause yeah, but I was just going to keep Distribution is it. also a thing too, isn't it? You're... When, when we talk about distribution, we're ba- are we talking about you putting a couple of cartons into the back of your car and driving around to to venues? That that's kind of what your social media would suggest. Is yeah, the case. it's like that, but without the car. So there's a lot of me on trams with, um, or just like staggering around Fitzroy with this enormous box of mags and handing them out. But that's kind of quite motivating because they're really heavy. So you're like, all right, as soon as I distribute these, I can like stop and have a beer. So, um, yeah, so you kind of get to that point where you're like, yes, I finished the magazine, it's gone to the printer, and then it comes back, and then you're like, shit, now I have to hand out 7,000 of these. Um, so, but it's kind of fun because you get to go around and talk to people, and it, I think at the moment it's kind of important to have my face out there and be like, hey, this is my lovingly created crafty magazine, instead of just like dumping them. So, yeah, it's kind of a necessary part of the job at the moment. And, and what about interstate? You, you're saying that there are... Some bars are now taking it interstate. Is that literally just walking down with your your big cardboard box full of froth to the Australia Post? And yeah, there is a lot of Australia Post visits going on at the yeah. moment. So um, yeah, a few people have signed up to. I've kind of put up a thing on my website saying, "Do you want froth at your bar? Sign up, and um, if you pay for postage, we'll check your bag uh, boxes um, magazines each month." So yeah, send them off to a few. States in Australia, and also some reps have been really nice, and they've been like, "Oh, stop us the mags! I'm going to Sydney or whatever, or Ballarat or Bendigo." So, um, yeah, it's like it's a bit kind of haphazard at the moment, but um, I think along down the track, I'd like to yeah set up a proper distribution network in each yep. city. When, when you're getting out and about to bars, I mean, I, I know that I personally find that sometimes everyone assumes you've got the best job in the world that you get to drink craft beer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once you've had two or three beers, the will to work <laughs> um, fades a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I find myself saying when someone says, oh, let's catch up for a beer, just pleading for people to, you know, can we just have a coffee um, instead? Because it, it it is a hard world to work in where you are drinking beer yeah. and your expectation is you'll be drinking beer, but it does take its toll after a while. It, it does. As someone who, like, no longer fits into her clothes after four issues of Frost magazine, I can say that, yeah, it does take its toll. 
You've and lost that much weight, Emily. Well, well done. Yeah, I wish it was that way around. I'm going to write an article on how not to become a fat bastard. Um, Yeah, so because, yeah, every single thing was like, uh, yeah, let's meet at the bar. Careful careful that you don't get done for fat shaming if if you're going to write that article. I'm I'm only shaming myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, yeah, like the, the other day I had a meeting in a bar and I just drank mineral water because I was just like, I can't do it. And in a night off, you know, so yeah, it's something feels weird to complain about having to drink beer all the time, but at the same time, yeah, every now and then you just, your body's like, all right, we need a little rest. So yeah, and then also, yeah, you have a few beers and then you go home and you're like, oh, I don't have to write that article. I just want to have a little sleep. It very much, and you know, and, and that is one of the the things about the uh, the alcohol industry is that it sounds like it's all fun and games, but it is until somebody loses a liver. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's I'm going to be like, all right, you know, these days are drinking days, these days are not drinking days, and be involved in the industry without actually like killing myself by the age of thirty three. So um, yeah, I think there's a, a bit of balance that needs to be there so I'm going to be quite keen to reinstate that in my life instead of just having beer every night and blowing up like a balloon. (laughs) (laughs) Emily you might like to uh, direct people to the website or your Facebook page and they can find out more about how they might get their hands on a copy. Uh, Yeah Uh, well our website is www.frostbeer.com so you can check that out, and we've got links to our um, subscriptions if you want me to send you one. And everyone who subscribes, I get quite excited, so you will get a little post-it note with love hearts all over it, stuck to the front of your <laughs> Prof magazine. And Maybe we need to do that, Prof. Yeah, and look, just one, we've got one special treat um, for Emily just before you go. We've got, uh, we've got a special guest on the other line. Um, he's a good friend of ours, good friend of the program. It's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. It's Paul Mercurio. Um, and, and Paul is going to he's going to serenade you. He's going to um, sing one of his beer. It's a, a German beer and cheese soup <laughs> recipe, but he's going to sing it to you to the tune oh of love, "Love Is in the Air." Are you no, serious? No, not really. <laughs> I, did, I, on, there a, I honestly did think it, about. Doing is there it. an is there an in joke here that uh, Emily was contacted by Paul um, and was uh, very very excited at the fact that she was. Um, uh, messaged by Paul. Yeah. Can we try and make me sound a little bit cool? Like, Emily was slightly excited, you know. Yeah, I was over the moon. All right. So I did, in all honesty, I was going to try and tee Paul up to, uh, to to get him on the line to talk to you. We just didn't get a, get time to do it. And I thought, <laughs> no, nah, look, maybe it might have been a bit too embarrassing. Well, I think you've already embarrassed me. Um, but, yeah, no, um, I was having a chat to him later today and... Yes, I was 12 in the mid-90s, so I have a, a long and lasting love for Paul Mercurio when he flew across that ballroom in that golden jacket. So, yeah, that's a love that doesn't die. There's the cover for uh, Froth, um, episode five. Yeah, definitely. Done. Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to call we'll Paul in- Mercurio now. <laughs> <laughs> we should put it in the show notes. We'll put a little link to the. Um, I'll uh, I'll cut and paste your. The the thing that uh, that um, I think really tickled me was it was that, oh my god kind of um, <laughs> thing where it was you know like um, 
they get word, um, full stop, word, full stop, word, full stop. I, I only do that when I'm extremely excited. I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just waiting to see if Paul Mercurio answers. This could be just a bit of a surprise for him. It could be. He might be, he might be at a market, actually. Just he might the be. Mornington Markets is on, so he could be up ah. to his elbows in, um, in uh, barbecue chicken and slaw. And Paul is a lovely, lovely guy. G'day, Paul Mercurio. Can you come out to your name? There you go. Oh. We try. So the best we're going to get for you is his answering <laughs> machine. Sorry about that, Emily. That's all right. uh, Paul is, is, a, is a lovely guy. Awesome. And a good friend of the show, as Pete said. Paul, well, yeah. I look forward to talking to him. Don't try, to get, don't try to get him, um, you know, doing a, a, a monthly uh, recipe for Froth Magazine because he already does that for us. I'll just hear you. Get your own sexy cooking beer celebrity. Ah, oh, so you're saying that I can't poach him? No, I've got Chris Badnock. Oh, I don't it, know Chris it, sings. He prefers to be fried. But What's that? Was... Sorry, that was a dad joke. Yeah, it wasn't even that good, Matt. Okay. <laughs> All right, anyway, back to, back to reality. Sorry, I got that now. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, no. I, I can't help but think that this uh, this interview is petering out today. <laughs> Lockie's going, at which point do I press cut? <laughs> so, Emily, thank you very much for joining us. Froth Magazine, uh, people can find it, but most importantly, they can su subscribe and they will get a post-it note with love hearts. Hey, certainly um, will. Um, and did, does it cost anything to subscribe? Sorry, I was phoning Paul when we were talking about that. Um, it's, for individuals, it's $5 a month, so that's to cover postage and whatnot, um, and bars can sign up for $25 a month and I'll send them a box of 45 magazines, and the post-it note with glass hearts on it is completely free. And if anyone wants to write reviews or bar reviews and that sort of thing, you, you're welcome to uh, to get in touch as well? Yes. Um, check out the website, frostbeer.com, and you can contact me through that, and Definitely open to contributions, and I love hearing all kinds of different voices and everyone's different opinions. So, yeah, very open to being contacted and hearing more from the lovely beer drinkers of Australia. Wonderful. Well, congratulations on getting uh, Froth up and running, uh, and not just getting it up and running, but having it survive for four editions and keep uh, going from strength to strength. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on today. It's really lovely of you. There we go. Lovely chat with Emily. Uh, yeah, just uh, wish her every success um, with a competing beer enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, I think it's it's great because the last time I caught up with Emily was at the local tap house on Australia Day and she was there to kind of, she came in late, but I sort of had a chat to her about, have a look at all these, you know, the the, the terrace up was just absolutely heaving with, with people, you know, drinking all these interesting and different beers, and yet none of them had really come along to hear the Hottest 100 countdown or uh, half of them hadn't even voted in it. So, but but here were these, you know, um, disparate groups all sort of coming together under one banner and, and realising, oh, there's, there's a bit of buzz going on. Um, and for those people, you know, they take home a, a froth magazine, they get in, oh, look, at this is this is an interesting way of looking at, you know, um, at beer advertising or here's a really well-written story about, you know, literature and beer and here's something else about, um, uh, you know, we touch on um, Emily's mum uh, doing beer reviews. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's beer but it's not.
And I look, and because Emily snubbed me uh, when she was in Brisbane, uh, I haven't had a chance to see the magazine. Um, but I'll have to, I'll have to get out because it certainly sounds like a great read um, and, and and a lot of fun. And it's great that they are taking that it's not just the um, standard beer route, yeah. um, you know, or the, that that path of least resistance. Uh, talking about, you know, they are talking about some of the things in beer, but it's not just the, the, the same yeah, old, same here's old. Here's a review about this and here we go and visit this bar and, you know, there's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good read. Yeah, which is all part of the great big conversation that is beer. Um, speaking of conversations, Prof, uh, we can spare Lockie the uh, mailman uh, music this week. Um, no reviews on iTunes. Listeners, if you are listening to the show and you do like it, um, please help other people to find it. Jump on iTunes and give us a review. Even if it's one star, it's all part of the conversation. Tell us what you really think about the show. Um, otherwise, we do have comments at the end of every article, comments at the end of this podcast, in fact. If you want to uh, you know, say, look, I really didn't understand what Matt was talking about uh, when he was talking about beards, jump on and let us know. Um, it's all part of the conversation and we do want to hear from you. We do have the telephone number. I think I might have missed a call from somebody. Prof, I reinstalled Skype, but hadn't set the uh, um, voice answering machine. I hadn't set it to default. So I think somebody called, but may not have been able to uh, leave a message. So caller, if that was a listener, if that was you, please call back and let us know what you think about the podcast. Um, Prof, any ideas about who we're speaking to next week? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Great to have you on board as the executive producer. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I can rely on you these things. Something so happened. Uh, tease it up. Actually, there are a couple of people um, that we need to, to speak to. Well, we, we've got Charlie Bamforth coming up fairly soon. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there is a lot going on in the beer world, so we will see who we're talking to. So listeners, sorry we can't tease you with next week's episode, but it will be up to the usual high stands we had this week. Exactly. Prof, what, what are you up to uh, over the next week or two? Uh, not much. No, I've got, um, I've got uh, the big beer bashes this weekend. With the local tap house, so the um, the maestros of malt versus the um, hop hounds. So it's a, a group of uh, drinkers and locals from the local tap house versus a um, team of brewers and writers and stuff. And I think, in fact, Emily is um, is on one of the teams. So I'll catch up with her and I'll get a copy of Froth for you to send up to you. Thank you. And you're all mic'd up, uh, giving commentary during the day. Yep. Yep. As the uh, as the umpire. Totally. Yeah. It's it's always it's just a, a lot of fun. And we um, a quick shout out to Pirate Life, to Mountain Goat, to Ma Mornington, to Quiet Deeds and Colonial, who are supplying uh, the cans. And all the proceeds go to the uh, the local primary school who allow, kindly allows us to use their their oval uh, and risks every year having windows broken. We haven't broken any yet. <laughs> now this used to be part of Craft Beer Rising, which seems to have not on, on hiatus. Uh, was the okay. official um, uh, word from Crafty. So I don't know whether it just he's got a lot on his plate or whether or not he does have a lot do, on. You know, do, or whether do we it... need it? Is it is it kind of uh, do we celebrate craft beer uh, enough without having to dedicate a, a day to it? Perhaps I don't know. Which which of itself is probably a good question, Prof. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, one thing I will um, give a shout out to is, or talk about is that during Good Beer Week. Um, we are going to be doing a well. It, it's a Radio Brews news-ish thing. It's part of the Cryo Malt Hospitality Suite. Um, the Craft Beer Brewers Conference isn't taking place in Melbourne, so we've been asked on Wednesday the 18th to host a couple of discussion panels. Beer being a conversation, as we yes. say at Infinitum. Um, and so we've got a couple of great panels 
uh, that we're going to be looking at some of the you know secret life of beer topics um, and one of those is draft beer one of those is science in the brew house and one of those is just you know the topics that maybe people prefer not to talk about in polite company um, so keep an eye out for that if, if you're a uh, in the industry, and it, it, which I think it's mainly, is I don't, don't know that it'll be really of interest to uh, beer geeks, but we have a lot of craft brewers. If you are about, look out for tickets uh, being advertised for that because it is going to be a really good chat. Um, and one of the things that we might uh, be, in fact, talking about is you know whether we still need things like you know whether craft beer still needs to be uh, you know like treated like the underdog, or whether it really is uh, something that. Yeah, standing on its own two feet and standing on its own two feet these days. Upwards. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Prof, always good to chat. Look forward to finding out who you're going to come up with next week. Yeah, just do your job and let me know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, always good to chat. Talk to you next week, and it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And we're out.